Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, hello. I have a mouthful of cake. I'm slightly running late to this podcast episode because my parents came down to stay um, and my my sister and my brother-in-law and my beautiful little nephew, Jasper. And my parents just wouldn't leave this morning. <laughs> Does anyone else have that with their parents? I was like, okay, I've got to go now. I've got to work. And then my dad thinks of other conversation starters. So um, anyway, I'm here and... I wasn't stressing about the time because a few years ago, I actually worked with a happiness coach who genuinely studied the science of happiness. And I feel like it really changed my life and changed the way I allow situations to affect me. And so I thought it'd be really good because obviously motherhood, happiness, the identity struggles, it all sort of goes hand in hand. So I wanted to get her on the podcast this week. I feel like a different person since I worked with her, which was actually in lockdown during my pregnancy with Alf. So she is, like I mentioned, a happiness coach, a hypnotherapist, an expert in the science of happiness. And she's known as a happiness activator. And she is also a mum to two teenage girls. It is Steph Pelletier. Hi, Ashley. Hi. So nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for coming on because like, obviously you gave me so many like valuable lessons on like how to remain calm and, you know, essentially how to be a happier person. But I also feel like I went on a huge, you know, depression in that first year of motherhood and I feel like now I'm coming out the other side but it yeah it's that sort of um adolescence or matricence that you go through as a mum doesn't it I feel like you almost you coached my baby years or <laughs> what I would say is my baby years but I still always think about it even when I've been stressed with this pregnancy because obviously it's not been locked down so I've been juggling work and juggling mm. a toddler and everything else I, I still come back to everything so well you come back to your tools and the, the thing to remember is that life is a bloody roller coaster it's what it is and happiness is a leaky tire if you like uh so you do all the techniques and you feel great and you feel in control of yourself and you feel at peace but the tire is leaking every day it's leaking that's what it is so you need to pump it up a little bit every day it requires some work and then 
life takes over and our circumstances change and then you've got a baby arriving. And of course, your focus is not on yourself anymore. You focus, you forget to pump up the tire and then suddenly you start experiencing difficulties, but you've got that set of tools that you know you can come back to. Can we just go back to you a bit? How did you become a happiness activator? How did you study the science of happiness? And for those listening, what simple things can they do to be happier? Because that's what we all want in life, isn't it? Happiness. I was a complete corporate girl, you know, very ambitious, very career focused. Uh, I had two kids uh, in my 30s, one after the other one, like you. Uh, Let's make it all happen. Two girls. You know, people from the outside would say, this girl's got everything to be happy. And to be very honest, yeah, two healthy kids, uh, quite nice husband, ex now, uh, really nice house, no financial difficulties, a job that I really liked. And guess what? I was a miserable cow. I was a joy sucker. I was always extremely anxious, very stressed. I felt that I had to tick so many boxes, achieve so many things to soothe some, I don't know, sort of low self-esteem that I'd always had. And really looking back, I was never really happy at all. And I realized that way too late, sadly. I realized it when one morning I woke up and there was no juice in the battery anymore. And I just thought, oh, I'm experiencing burnout. That I'm going to be super honest with you. And you know my personal story, Ashley, but I don't mind sharing it with everybody. My ex-husband, well, we divorced and I didn't expect it at all. He just walked out one day and it really, really hit me really hard. And I never thought I'd be a candidate for depression. Uh, I thought it was just burnout, but very quickly I realized, ooh, it's slightly more than that. It's not just burnout and anxiety. It's depression. There are plenty of differences between simple burnout and anxiety. But what really hit me is that I realized that I started feeling this pain needs to stop. Life is not worth living this way, but it's not worth living. And then it freaked me out. And I thought, how can you think these thoughts when you've got the most amazing children with you? Something is really wrong. How old were your children when all this was going on? Uh, They were nine and eleven. Okay, nine and eleven, and I thought, okay, you gotta, you gotta, you you gotta get out of this as quick as possible before things get out of control. So, of course, I went on medication, which really helped me uh, stay safe, if I may say. But I tried absolutely everything. I tried speaking therapy, you, you name it. I tried everything, but very quickly, I came to the conclusion that each time I had an appointment with someone to make me feel better, I felt a bit better. Uh, but then I got back home and I started feeling really awful as soon as I was on my own again. Um, I was doing a lot of mindset work, uh, a lot of a lot of talking, and long term it wasn't really helping. So I thought, I, for my own sake, I need to find a way. And then I found that course, the science of happiness, and I went to study it for you know for my own sake. I had no intention of changing career whatsoever, but it changed my life so profoundly because within three weeks of studying stuff and applying all these little super easy, not very time consuming techniques I was learning, the dark cloud suddenly lifted. Suddenly I started laughing out loud again, uh, acknowledging beautiful little things. I started hearing my kids laughing again. I think I couldn't hear it anymore. You know the pleasure you get when you hear your kids laughing? Mm -hmm. Suddenly I started noticing all these little things. I noticed my emotions were lifting 
I started seeing the bigger picture, feeling slightly more confident, more optimistic, to the point where I thought, wow, this is not that complicated. I've got to make it my mission in life to help people live happier lives. And you know, you don't have to be depressed to seek some help. What I find really scary, actually, is that a lot of people live in what I call low-level unhappiness. They're not completely distressed, but really, if they look at their life, they're not that happy. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of disconnection from themselves. So, yeah, that's where it all comes from. What I remember is you shared some really interesting statistics about what makes us happy, because I feel like we're all taught if we just have a bit more money, if we just have a bigger house or have a bigger car or get the better job, get the next promotion. That's what will make us happy. And I can't quite remember what the statistics are, but I feel like this is really interesting to share because I feel like lots of us are kind of stuck in that sort of rat race, especially once we have children, because we're like, once they start, once they start nursery, then I'll be happy. Once they start school, then I'll be happy once. So can you remind me if you, if you remember off the top of your head, I imagine you do. (laughs) Oh yeah, I do. I I probably share these a hundred times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, 50% of your happiness is genetic. You've inherited from six generation prior to you. There's not that much you can do. It's called your happiness set point. My personal happiness set point is here. It's very low. Naturally, my happiness capacity is not very big. My mate, one of my best friends, and hers is here. You know, the same thing happens to her. Naturally, I'm happy at that level. She's much happier than me. Now, the crazy bit is that only 10% of your happiness depends on the circumstances of your life. And that is being married, having a romantic partner, your financial comfort, the size of your house, the size of your jeans, uh, the number of your bank account. And believe it or not, also in that 10% is included your health and the fact that you might have children or not. And our mind is constantly tricking us to believe that these things are going to improve our happiness so much. So we end up in that rat right, right race of, I'll be happy when I'm, on holi- when I'm on holiday this summer. I'll be happy when my kid eventually starts nursery and I'll have more time. Um, but really, it's not that. And science is actually showing that there's 40% remaining left. And those 40% is what you intentionally decide to do on a daily basis uh, that can completely skyrocket your happiness. Happiness is an inside job, really. It's a, simply about how you perceive the world and how you respond to it. It's well. It's more. It's more than a than a mindset, really. Often now, I, I tend to tell people it's a sort of state of being. Uh, it's a sweet spot where you f- you find yourself in at peace, in balance between your body, your mind, and your heart. It's an internal state that you can learn to reach. It's so interesting because. I feel like before I had Alf, I definitely got, or, you know, when I was pregnant with him, I got to that place working with you that I felt that I was learning to be happier. Cause I would say genetically, I'm definitely low on the happiness level. Whereas Tommy, my partner, he like wakes up every morning. Like I envy his happiness. It just comes so easily to him. He doesn't get anxiety unless he drinks alcohol. Um, it's so simple for him. Whereas I do feel like I have to work really, really hard for it. And I think I got so lost in that early motherhood stage because it is hard to take time for yourself. And I feel like there's this sort of, I don't know if you would call it toxic positivity, but 
be grateful, be grateful, be happy for what you have. And some people don't have that. And so then I'd be almost putting pressure on myself. Like, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I not happy? I've got this beautiful little boy. Why, why am I, am I not enjoying him? And then, so then when I had sort of suicidal thoughts and then I, then I'd be putting more pressure on myself. What can we do? Because I feel like motherhood, especially is now that we don't have like the village, most of us, and we don't have, you know, I see all these self-care tips online where it's like, drink loads of water, take time for yourself, sleep at least eight hours a day. And then you're like, I can't sleep eight hours a day. <laughs> I get woken up all the time. And I find it like this sort of like, yeah, toxicity that puts pressure on us to be happy without giving us the tools to know how we can actually be happy. And sometimes I find like forcing myself to be grateful makes me feel worse. What you are saying, actually, and I hope a lot of people are going to um, really resonate with that because this is a massive aha moment. The biggest mistake people make when it comes to happiness is that they focus on their mindset. No amount of mindset work is going to help a dysregulated um, nervous system. And that nervous system is the source of anxiety, uh, of overthinking, of negative thinking, and of uh, low self-esteem and difficult emotions. So that uh, quest for happiness can be extremely detrimental if you only focus on your mindset. So when you start uh, with mindset work, it's a little bit like uh, you take a bu bucket of water out of the anxiety river, and it brings a little bit of relief Uh, best case scenario, sometimes nothing really happens considering the amount of water there is in the riverbed. It's pretty exhausting. It doesn't give fantastic results. When you start by not with the mindset, but by regulating your nervous system, and you do that with the heart, you don't do that with the brain, it's like you create another riverbed. So uh, you get less toxic water into the riverbed of your life. So really happiness is not something you chase. You shouldn't work hard at it. If you do anything and it doesn't feel right, follow your heart, try something else. That's why I've got a massive bucket with tons of tools. And with my clients, we try some and there's not one recipe uh, for everybody. Everybody's got to create their own recipe. But for sure, if there is a structure to follow, Ashley, is that number one, Focus on your heart, manage your heart, use techniques to regulate your nervous system because the moment you do that, you regulate your emotions, you feel calmer. But what's really important is that the blood flow changes in your brain. Your blood starts coming here straight behind your forehead and now you're ready to do a little bit of mindset work. It's going to feel pretty effortless and you're going to get re great results. So manage the heart first and then manage the brain, right? Of course, do a bit of gratitude, practice mindfulness, uh, get rid of your limiting beliefs. So I do hypnosis for limiting beliefs, but there's plenty of other things you can do. You can do, do it yourself by listening to meditations, for example. But always start with your body, with your heart. So that's, that's the uh, point number one I wanted to make. And point number two, it's going to be very difficult not to smile here, but... Okay, I picked a card today. I pick cards every day. I really like it. And funnily enough, the one I picked said, you're not selfish for putting yourself first this morning. 
And that was a good reminder. But when you're a mom, what do you do? You look after everybody else. You don't look after yourself. And is that okay if I share um, an audio from a movie that I listened to yesterday? Of course. It's, yeah. it's, funny, how the uni- it's funny how the universe puts things uh, onto your path just at the right moment. So hang on. I was uh, watching TV yesterday and, <laughs> and I recorded it. I heard that. Pretty sure parents are supposed to put their children before themselves. Oh, really? No, if airplane safety videos have taught me anything, David, it's that a mother puts her own mask on first. I love that idea, and I understand to be a happy mum, you've got to put yourself first because you've got to fill up your own tank and then you can give more to no. others. But how does that work when you have a newborn? Because I feel like that's that for me fits into that sort of not toxic positivity, but, you know, it's like, make time for yourself, make time for your friends. And it's like, okay, but say I'm exclusively breastfeeding or I'm not sleeping. How, how can you make time for yourself when someone is dependent on you? Of course, it's impossibly difficult, right? Time is our most precious currency. And I mean, I made that mistake for so many years and I have, you know, I have to check in with myself regularly. What I try to follow with myself and with my clients, what I try to teach my kids is the one degree rule. Water freezes at zero degrees, right? You only need to change the temperature to one degree to see a significant change, right? To see the ice starting to melt. Uh, But what you need is consistency, right? You get a much better result with consistency with very small actions rather than a massive effort. The reality is that there is no time. There is no time. So the one degree rule is what are the things I can do that are not very time consuming that I can do in slices of one minute that are going to contribute to me feeling better to me having a healthier body. And there are plenty of things you can do. So that could be instead of scrolling on my phone I'm listening to a podcast whether it's like a mindful like a positive podcast or whether it's a fiction book instead of just like scrolling through Instagram (laughs) absolutely you could do 478 breathing I'm a massive fan of 478 breathing because uh, practice with consistency it's amazing to reduce anxiety you breathe in for four you hold your breath for seven you exhale for eight you do it four times in a row that's it How do I focus on my heart? All over the world, in whatever culture, we all have the same expressions. I love you from the bottom of my heart. There is no country that loves people from the bottom of their elbow. I love you from the bottom of my heart. We know instinctively that the heart is the seat of nourishing emotions. Follow your heart. Put your heart into it. We also somehow instinctively have a sense that there is an intelligence of the heart. And I think actually you posted something this way. I can't remember if it was about sleeping habits with Alfie. And you kept on saying, I followed my instinct. I followed my instinct. You know what to do somehow. There is an intelligence of the heart. And we've been believing for so many years that the brain is the master organ. It gives information to the rest of the body to do everything. The brain is the organ to keep you alive. So it, it speaks from the voice of fear. Its job is to identify problems and ring alarm bells. While the heart has got a very different voice and scientists have discovered that on your heart, there are 40,000 neurons. You've got a brain in here and this brain is very powerful and it can completely override the brain in the head. 
It's so strong. And it's the quality of the signal of that heart that uh, can override the brain, the voice of the fear, and makes you feel calmer, feel more optimistic, see things more clearly, right? So one technique that is uh, super easy is to connect with these neurons. We can actually uh, plug in people to machinery and visually see those neurons start activating. Simply by placing your hand on your heart, you're already starting to activate those neurons. It's fascinating. And then let's take it a step further. Maybe when you breastfeed, Ashley, you put your hand on your heart, you look at your baby, and you imagine that your breath is flowing in and out of your heart, just through imagination. You can keep your eyes open by doing that. And you breathe a little bit slower and deeper. And allow yourself to breathe contentment for the present moment, especially when you're breastfeeding. That is such, um, that's so magical, right? And just breathe that emotion in and out of your heart, what's going to happen is that your heart rhythm is going to start changing and become much more uh, gentle and rhythmic. And when your heart beats in this manner, it sends information to the brain to stop the panic, stop the stress, bring the blood back uh, behind the forehead. You start becoming more optimistic. Uh, You're more in the present moment. Uh, you become more confident. It's it's pretty insane, pretty fascinating. And you know, this heart living from the heart, it's also uh, it's it's just so powerful, especially when you have a very tiny baby. Um, so the heart is is um, is an electrical organ, right? And it's got a magnetic field around it. So is the brain, by the way. The magnetic field of the brain is about I don't know forty centimeters around the head. The magnetic field of the heart goes five meters away from your body. And this magnetic field interferes with the magnetic field of other people. And in this field, there is data. And this, this data is the quality of your emotion. So it can be stress, resentment, frustration, or it can be peace, love, gratitude, calm, right? And your baby's magnetic field is picking up the magnetic field of your heart. Have you noticed how when you're stressed, your kid or kids become really, really nervous? Mm-hmm. And how when you're super calm, somehow they pick it up as well. I feel like when you're in a happy place, people sense it, even though you probably look similar, that, that people kind of pick up on that energy, don't they? They do. And even if you try to hide things, right? Uh, you don't want to kill the atmosphere. So you're trying to pick yourself up and, you know, be your happy, jolly... Pretend self. They're going to pick it up. That something is odd, right? So this heart of ours is super powerful for ourselves, you know, to regulate our emotions, to come back to a place of calm, uh, to a place of contentment. But it's extremely powerful because it has a ripple effect on the people around us. It's interesting what you said about the brain being, you know, we, we kind of rely on our brain to keep us safe or to do the right thing. But I think what you said is it's there to protect us. Therefore, it's always ringing alarm bells to try and keep us safe. And I think it was you that told me about paper tigers, is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I found that that really helped me to change my perspective, especially as a chronic overthinker. The job of the brain is to scan the world 24-7, even at night when you sleep and you think it's inactive, it's not, uh, to identify threats or dangers. And when it finds, finds one, it activates a stress response. So the example I often give people is a tiger. 
Uh, I give the example of a tiger because the brain you and I have, Ashley, is the same brain that cavemen and cave women had 15,000 years ago. Very, very little difference. And, but our lifestyles have changed so dramatically over such a short period of time, let's say 100 years I mean, let, 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 even in, in the past 20 years, to be honest, that yeah. our brain hasn't had time to adapt and evolve to our environment. So it responds in the same way. But if you imagine the caveman in the forest, the cavewoman in the forest looking for some food, there's a noise behind the rock. Even before she's had the opportunity to acknowledge what it could be, maybe it's just a, you know, a rock dropping or maybe it's a tiger, I don't know. The brain picked it up. And better be safe than sorry, if the brain doesn't know what it is, it's going to make it look worse than what it is. So it's going to tell you there's a tiger, you need to uh, save your life, i.e. fight or flight. And it activates the stress response. Now, what is it that activates your stress response today in life? Worrying about kids? Juggle. <laughs> the incessant juggle, the endless to-do list. I mean, it could be anything. The cost of energy. Giving birth at the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> it could be absolutely anything. The reality is that none of these are tigers. You know, your life is not endangered by having too much to do, by worrying about your kids, uh, by uh, the state of the economy, by not, you know, not finding your next job. These are what we call paper tigers. So when the brain kicks in the stress response because of this, it's doing a job it's not designed for. And it's completely detrimental to our health when it does that too often. And when it does that too often, it gets sort of stuck in a rhythm uh, that then creates a field for anxiety. So we got to be wary of our paper tigers and try to keep seeing the bigger picture if we can. How can you stop the juggle from being stressful? Because, I mean, normally we are up against the clock where, you know, childcare starts at one time, which usually isn't enough time to get to work. So then you're turning up late for work and then you're trying to do your job and suddenly your child nursery or school calls and your child's sick so you have to leave work and then you're worrying about letting work down or you know you're rushing to get to the nursery and then you're late to the nursery like I know that it that doesn't mean that your life's in danger but it's quite a constant battle like how can you stay calm and not let it affect your well-being okay so this is really the um sort of the tricky bit because I'm sorry I'm not gonna move my magic wand into uh, like the magic secret <laughs> that it. works without any effort. You've got to think that inside of you, there is a sort of inner battery with a certain amount of energy that is going to allow you to respond to what your environment demands. Lots of demands from kids, unexpected demands from everywhere, you know, logistics at home, uh, work and so on. Basically, we're constantly juggling between energy expenditure, giving energy to all these things and replenishing energy. And you need to replenish, right? So the only way to go through a super busy day and deal with the unexpected is to make sure that your battery is filled in every morning. So, okay, stay with me for one more second. (laughs) Uh, And you do that on three levels. You do that on the physical level. You need some physical energy. You do that on the emotional level. You need to emotionally feel good, right? 
Uh, and you need to do that on the mind level, being able to keep on seeing the bigger picture and not being dragged down by little, by little things. So it's really about finding little things that you can do every day on those three levels. So I'm going to give you an example. Physical, you need to sleep. It's not always super easy uh, because you might have a baby who cries at night uh, or simply because you wake up at 3 a.m. every day. You have you don't know why and you can't go back to bed. And that's because of anxiety, to be very honest. Um, so sleep is a tricky one and I'm not a sleeping expert, so I'm going to put it to the side. Even though science is showing that if you practice heart regulation techniques, your sleeping patterns will improve. If you practice gratitude, your sleeping patterns will improve. But I want to put that to the side. I think what can be super helpful to look after your body, to feel more rested, even though you're tired, it may sound a bit contradictory, but it's true. And if you've done it, you know it's true. And that increases your dopamine, super important, is to exercise. Do you have time to exercise? It's really good for you, right? Okay, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time. I normally do, but obviously at this point in pregnancy, I'm not exercising. And it, I always feel so bad because Tommy gets up and goes for a run and I'm trying to get in extra sleep. But I just trust that that's what my body needs at the moment. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's okay to rest, right? But what do one thing for your, one thing for your body every day? Just the one. So it could be drink two liters of water. Actually, it's not two liters we need to drink a day. It used to be two liters 50 years ago when we were only eating whole food. Now we tend to eat quite a little bit of crap. Excuse my French. We need four liters of water a day. Just do that. You don't need to do anything else. What I do is that mostly every day I do the 100 squat challenge. So when I brush my teeth, I squat. 50 squats in the morning, 50 in the evening. I do nothing else when I brush my teeth. It's dead time to me anyway. But when I've done it, you know what? I feel good. Because I've done something, I've moved my body. And when the body moves, the mind grooves. Now do one thing uh, for your mind to see the bigger picture, to stay optimistic. Gratitude practice is what I would always recommend people to do. But if you feel that you don't want to do it because it's time consuming, you don't like writing in a journal, and it's an, you feel like it's another burden, another task to do, do it while you take your shower. Because once more, even if the shower is a couple of minutes because you're in a rush, it's dead time, right? So try to piggyback stuff on things you already do. The heart-focused breathing, uh, you know, focusing on your heart, breathing in and out of your heart and trying, you know, breathing in contentment, that you can do it when you breastfeed, you can do it when you cook, you can do it when you watch Netflix, you can do it eyes open when you drive your car. So now you've done something for your body, You've done something for your mind. And well, heart focused breathing is also for the heart. And doing something for the heart is uh, also about doing things that really make you feel good. But for these, carve a little bit of time in your diary. That's what it is. Connect with other people. Phone a friend and have a heartfelt con conversation. Send a text to a mate. That's what I did this week. Because I did a little TikTok video and I thought, oh, Steph, walk your talk. I texted a friend. And I said, literally, it was in French, Anne, I love you because you're the craziest, most generous, funny person I've ever met. Nothing else. When I sent it, I felt good. I really felt good. It's, it's really nice. But oh my God, the response I got, 
my emotions completely lifted. That is not time consuming. It's just little positive habits. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We've got to stop judging ourselves and beating ourselves up. A one-minute action is better than nothing. Pat on the back, you did well today. And if you do one minute again tomorrow, fabulous. And when you do little things like that, one minute slices and you enjoy them, guess what happens? Next week, you're going to do two minutes and you grow and you progress. It'd be interesting to know how social media has changed the game with happiness, because I presume it wasn't around when you studied the science of happiness. So, you know, I love social media. Well, I shouldn't say that. I hope my kids aren't listening. Um, (laughs) I love it because there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of fabulous information that is given out there for free. There's a lot of people who care and and want to share their wisdom. And I think it's really cool. I think we find a lot of crap as well on there. You know, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do that. So what I was, the other day, I made a chart to make um, uh, Juliette, she's 18 now, so we have a sort of adult relationship to make a love because I told, I wanted to demonstrate to her that if she doesn't take care of her own laundry, she's 18 now, she should be able to do that. I can't. So I wanted to show her my uh, diary and I wanted to make it as a joke because with teenagers, I found out the hard way that you don't control anything at all and you can't tell them to do, to do things. You've got to influence them. So I'm, I made my, I, uh, sort of did a diary of how I spend my time every day. Usually I tell her, mate, I work eight hours a day. I'm also your mom. I'm on my own. Please help me. We need to be a team here. It doesn't work at all. She knows I work, right? So I made a list and I said, I've got to exercise half an hour a day because it's good for my health. Um, I also take care of my appearance. So I put some cream and I do the face massage. It's the big hype at the moment, the, the face massage. That takes oh, me yeah. 20 minutes. Then I've got to meditate. It's 20 minutes. Uh, uh, then I've got to connect with other human beings, which is super important for your happiness. That takes me an hour. And I was putting all these things next to each other. I've got to read a book because you've got to read every day to learn something new, half an hour. And then I work and there was like 20 minutes left for work. All these things you have to do. It's insane. It's completely overwhelming. 
and it's not necessary. Pick three things, very tiny, do them consistently for a week, and it might only take you three minutes. You're going to feel great, and that is enough. I definitely get sucked into the the social media. Like today, I saw someone's um, food cupboards, and obviously they're like these spotless, amazing, it looks like a sort of like a show home inside their cupboards. And I was like, I need to sort out my cupboards. And then I was like, why am I'm literally about to give birth. My cupboards are absolutely fine. They store food in them. <laughs> Why am I about to spend 50 pounds on Amazon on like food storage stuff? Do I need to do, is this going to make me happier or is this going to make me more stressed? So I was like, why am I looking at my food and cupboards? We, we, we've got to simplify our lives. I mean, perfection doesn't exist. At the same time, what we see on social media is complete perfection. Have the perfect body, have the perfect mind, have the perfect family, be the perfect parent. This is bullshit. Excuse my friend, my French. We all, we all do the best we can with what we have. So I'm French. I'm obsessed with food, right? Everything, absolutely everything organic in my house. I mean, for probably for the past 20 years, everything home cooked. My kids for four years didn't eat a cookie that wasn't baked in my oven because it was perfect for their house. Actually true. But guess what? I wasn't working when I was doing that. And eventually I thought, mate, find some shortcuts here. It's okay if your kids eat fish fingers twice a week. It's not the end of the world. Just make sure they get the nutrients elsewhere. And, you know, now I'm, I still eat organic and I try my hardest to give them everything that they need. But there are some days that are days off. And it's okay. I suppose that's the thing. We compare ourselves to everyone else's strengths because let's say you're cooking every single meal home cooked and I might be organizing all my cupboards, but I might not even have children. So I've got time to organize my cupboards and you might not have a job. So you have time to do all the home cooking, but we see each and every person. So then we're like, okay, I need to make sure I do my makeup and hair every day. Okay, I need to make sure I take my spend that one-on-one time with my children every day. Okay, but I need to also do the home cooking and then I need to have the perfect pantry and I need to have the perfect house and like we're building all this stuff on top of ourselves. No, and you never see the behind the scenes. Look, it looks quite tidy behind me. Do you want to go in my kitchen right now? It's chaos. I had two kids who had breakfast there before they left for school this morning. And then I went straight to work when I'll have to tidy later on. It's not the end, it's not the end of the world. Touching on what you mentioned earlier about limiting beliefs, I have so many limiting beliefs about being a mom. And I think that's what triggers my anxiety and overthinking because especially now that I'm about to become a mom again, I think I don't want people just to see me as a mom. And I I wonder, I'd be interested if anyone listening has this same thought process because maybe you don't have the same limiting beliefs, but I I feel like society views mums in such a negative way or it writes mums off because especially as women, I feel like we have kind of been taught you either have your career or you're a mum and, you know, dads don't have that. Like, you know, nobody says to Tommy, so are you still going to work or, you know, there's never, there's never any kind of consideration on him, but I feel constantly like I have to prove that I'm more than a mum. Weirdly, in my last couple of weeks of pregnancy, I've just stopped. I've been like, just put myself in my own bubble and I think okay it doesn't matter what anyone thinks if I'm just a mom I'm just a mom it like that's fine for now of course it is and you've got to think of yourself as a diamond you are a diamond a very precious stone uh with many facets and one of them is being a mom and that's wonderful and sometimes it's the mom that's shining if the light comes from this way 
But if the light comes from another way, it's the businesswoman, right? And it's totally, it's totally fine. And sometimes one takes, takes, takes over uh, the other facets and it's fine as long as you find your balance. It's really what matters. So I was a workaholic until uh, my eldest was uh, six years old. My kids were raised by nannies. I highly regret uh, that time. I, was, I would see my kids on Saturday and Sundays. I would never see them during the week for six years. Can you imagine that? Then I became a full-time mom for nine years. 100% of my time with my kids. And then I went back to work in a more balanced manner, which is totally feasible. It's a lot of juggling, that's right, but it's feasible. And when I became a full-time mom, I had a really hard time with my eldest. Before, uh, I w- when I was working, she was, I thought, quite easy to raise, even though I wasn't there very often. Uh, and then suddenly she became quite difficult and, uh, and I was losing my temper a lot. I'm not proud of it at all. Um, I was yelling. And so I went on a parenting course and there's one thing that I learned that completely changed my approach to parenting. And they said, your kids, they need your undivided attention, a hundred percent quality time, 15 minutes a day. As long as they get that, they'll be fine. Of course you can give more fabulous, right? But 15 minutes is their need to develop healthily. Uh, feeling loved. And I was like, what? 15 minutes is enough? That is insane. And looking back, when I was like working in a more balanced way, yeah, I was probably spending maybe half an hour. Well, no, realistically, 20 minutes undivided attention, kids separately. That's 40 minutes a day, right? But when I was a, a full time mom, I was spending zero quality time with my kids. I was with them all day long, but all day long I was sort of juggling and multitasking and things. So take away some guilt. 15 minutes is enough, apparently, according to science. I love that because, yeah, it's true. So I have Alf, obviously, before he goes to his childcare and then in the evening. And then even when when I'm trying to make food for him, I'm trying to make food for us or, you know, or like Tommy or I will be trying to finish off bits of work that we've not finished. And so, yeah, I always try to, the last like half an hour before bed, I actually normally put my phone away, like so far away from me so that I don't get tempted. Because sometimes it's subconscious, isn't it? You're like spending time with them and suddenly you're like, shit, how long have I been on my phone? Like, oh my God, you feel awful. So I just put it away. And then it's like reading that book. But yeah, I do still get that guilt. So I'm definitely going to keep that in my mind. 15 minutes a day. What I find um, is that the emotion that comes up the most often with mum is guilt. Bloody guilt. It's the only emotion that is completely pointless. We need to get rid of that. We need to tell ourselves better things about being a mom. How about, how would you feel if your mind told you every day, you're a great mom, you do your best and your best is enough. You love your kids. Your kids only need your love. You know, in France, we said um, three minutes of love equals a steak in terms of, you know, (laughs) nutritional uh, resources. Uh, It sounds really nice in French, but uh, because that's what they need. How about your mind told you you're amazing exactly like you do. Your kids love you unconditionally and you love them unconditionally. It's all that matters. You're a great role model for your children. Wouldn't that be amazing? Would that be like a case of looking for positive affirmations? 
So, okay. So it would be the case of two things. Ideally, it's a case of hypnosis. Hypnosis is really fascinating. So it's one of my new tools. I've only been practicing for two years. I wasn't practicing uh, therapy under hypnosis when I first met, met you, Ashley. Um, it's um, to, to change your beliefs, you need to identify which beliefs you need to change. And these beliefs are not the exact thought you're telling yourself. They might be slightly different and they have a root. We need to find the root. We remove the root and then we plot new empowering belief, which are yours. Uh, so I never use uh, like a standard recording with clients. I never say the same thing twice to, uh, to anybody because we all need, our heart needs to hear different things. And these things, you know, you know them. You remove the belief and you plant a new one. It works in hypnosis because um, you create new cabling in the brain, which are your beliefs. You can actually see them physically in the brain. They're wires between neurons. You create them when your brain is in uh, low alpha theta frequency, very low, that state of hypnosis, that trance with repetition. Uh, affirmations, affirmations, they're very, they relate to what you mentioned earlier, earlier on, Ashley. You know, you've got to do all this positive work and then you do it and you get frustrated because it doesn't work. Doing affirmations when your nervous system and your heart is not in the right place it's going to make you feel even worse than what you feel. So uh, you, you've got to work on your heart first on regulating your nervous system or one shortcut. As soon as you open your eyes in the morning, as, as long as your alarm clock is not some atomic bomb, uh, you know, noise that immediately stresses you out. The moment you open your eyes, tell yourself your affirmation. Because right now, as you're opening your eyes, you're moving out of theta into low alpha and the brain sucks everything. And with repetition, then you're going to start changing your belief. Of course, if you do that thing in the morning, it takes months, but it still does work. I still do that in the morning. Apart from usually I do wake up to the sound of Alfie opening his door and running through into our room. But it's it's calmer than a baby cry. <laughs> but I do. I, I always remember I like to do that first what do they say? The first thought in the morning yeah. can like change your whole day. Well, I'm glad you do it. So you mentioned a lot about kind of trusting your heart, going with your heart, trusting your instincts. So how can you parent from the heart and stop your brain or other outside sources dictating what to do? The brain is always trying to make sense. Always. Oh, and always from the voice of fear. So it's going to look at the worst case scenario. Before you know it, if you start getting a little bit stressed and then you can't see things clearly, shall I do this? Shall I do that? Oh my God, I don't know what to do. And then you start reading articles and books. You go on social media, you ask your friends, everybody's got a different point of view and you don't know what to do. And you said it, uh, you know, in that uh, post last week, I followed my heart. How did you do that? You got in touch with your heart. And sometimes I just stop if I'm completely confused uh, and I don't know what to do with something that the girls have shared with me, or maybe I notice um, a behavior that I don't really like, that I don't want them to foster because ultimately I want them to be happy, but I also want them to be good and kind human beings. And my brain tells me, go and tell them to do this. But you can't control people. You can only influence them. So I'll stop. I'll place my hand on my heart. I'll breathe in and out of my heart and I'm going to ask the question, ask your heart, what's the answer? What shall I do? And you're going to hear a very different voice. You're not going to hear the voice of fear. You're going to hear the voice of compassion and of love. 
So, you know, one example is uh, if your baby is crying, crying and crying and crying, you can't rest, you're knackered. Uh, what's going through your mind? What is, what is, notice what the brain is saying. The brain is saying, I'm knackered. I can't deal with that. What's wrong? Can I help? I'm not a good enough mom. I can't deal with this. What shall I do? I don't know what to do. It's not very helpful. Pause, breathe. It doesn't have to be time consuming. 30 seconds is enough. By placing your hand on your heart, you activate those neurons. By breathing in and out, simply imagining your breath flowing in and out, you double activate everything. And just ask, what, what can I do right now that is going to ease everything? And what answer are you going to hear? I don't know, that would be your answer. But I've done that many times with clients. And what you hear is, the only thing you can do is love. The only thing you can do is to bring peace, to be, bring compassion, to be a caring mom. The only thing you can do is to cuddle. And it's fine like that. And it is. The voice always speaks kindly. So I try to influence, with, especially with my teenage girls, I try to influence them by uh, living my life through the heart as much as I can. And when I don't and they see it, I make a point of showing to them that, guess what? I lost my shit this morning. Do you remember when all the laundry was on the floor and, you know, I yelled just before you left for school? That was the voice of fear from my head. Not so good. Let's speak from the heart. What can we do to live in a more loving environment? And it's funny how they come up with great solutions, actually. Aww. I did want to ask you one thing because I saw a statistic online just the other day. I can't even remember where, where or what the source was, but it was saying that there is basically a crisis with girls and especially teenage girls that one in three suffer mental health problems. So obviously as a parent, that's like quite frightening. And so as a happiness coach, what can we do as parents, if anything, to kind of conquer or help this sort of mental health crisis within our both our children boys and girls but particularly I think the stats were that girls are doing a lot worse than boys yeah so yeah the figures are insane and to be very honest my uh, daughter had some severe mental health issues during lockdown and well, I was quite embarrassed at first because I thought, God, with my job, what have I done? You know, clearly I've done something wrong. I'm not going to go into details of what it is because um, it's not my place to share. She's very comfortable sharing her life with whomever she likes, but she's given me boundaries. So good for her. I'm going to respect her boundaries. Course, yeah. But she was going through a very, very tough time. And at the same time, there's a lot of hormonal changes happening. I mean, their emotions are all over the place. They don't know why. And they go through that phase of rejecting parents, which is completely normal for a teenager at one point to disconnect from their parents. Uh, it's a survival mechanism. You know, it prepares them to unclip their wings and go and, you know, live their own independent life. But as a result, you as a parent, you know nothing. Don't touch me. Uh Fuck off out of my life. But actually, if you could pick me up from the bus station at 11.30 tonight, that'd be great. <laughs> that was the summary of my life. And I, I so wanted to help her. I didn't know what to do. You know what I wanted to do? I was meditating every morning. And the only thing I was asking is, please give me your pain. I can deal with it. I'm going to be very emotional. Aww. I don't want her to feel like that anymore. 
And of course, you know, a life doesn't work like that. And eventually I came to the conclusion really quickly that the only thing I could do is be strong myself, is to look after myself so that she knew she had a rock next to her while she was doing her own work. And I mean, I'm super happy to say that all of this is in the past and actually it's taught her a lot. She's become a much stronger, greater person. I think what we can do is that we can maintain communication. It's not always super easy, but the best thing we can do is that we can lead by example. You know, keep keep our cool under pressure. Make sure that we don't sweat the small things because they see us, right? When they see us sweat the small things, they replicate. When they're inspired by how we deal with stuff, they want to replicate too. Really be the best version of yourself without any pressure. Live in the present moment. Don't sweat the small stuff. Um, do whatever you need to do to regain your composure, to stay calm. What matters is love, really. Yeah. And nothing else with that we can conquer absolutely everything i feel like as humans we always feel like we have to hide those emotions but no it's it's uh thank you for sharing so in summary for anyone that isn't feeling happy right now what simple tools can we take away from today's podcast so that you know we can just start feeling happier in our own way with our own life and our own circumstances. I'm going to give you three shortcuts that that are going to take less than three minutes a day. Do them for 10 days and I guarantee you're going to feel better. Change your physiology every day. Super important. So I do the 100 squats challenge because I really enjoy it because I want to have a nice bum. Uh, But put some music out in the kitchen with your kids. They love it. Crazy music while you cook and dance. You're moving your body. You're changing the chemicals uh, inside your physiology. That's body. Mind, practice gratitude. Do it in the shower. It's not very time consuming. You don't need to write anything. Just acknowledge. And out of this gratitude, three things, pick something about your children. Because the brain has got a huge negativity bias. And you know, when we go to bed, what we remember is the temper tantrum at the supermarket. What we remember is, uh, you know, the mess at the dinner table, some irrelevant things, right? We don't remember uh, the laughter of my two kids when they were watching this silly program on TV and that filled me with, me with joy. We, we don't not even notice these things. So, so gratitude in the shower. And number three, I would say, connect with another human being on a daily basis because it's very easy to become just a mother, but your body needs con- and your soul needs contact with other humans that are not your children so that you can show all these facets of the beautiful diamond personality that you have. Just one of these every day. I'm going to definitely take away from today, especially as I'm about to enter what I call the trenches of that newborn life again, that I'm a diamond and sometimes the light will be shining on one part of me, but it doesn't mean that the other sides aren't there. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Steph, for coming. Thank you to you guys as well for listening to Mums the World Parenting Podcast. I'm going to put all of Steph's details below. So if you want to get in touch with her or you want to book her um, for anything, then um, you can find her. And as always, if you enjoyed the episode, then feel free to share it with friends, anyone you think um, might find it interesting. Obviously, um, if you hit subscribe and follow, then you never miss an episode. 
and I'm not going to do a listener message today just because of time but if you do want to get in touch obviously I normally make sure to read out or play voice messages um, so please please keep getting in touch on WhatsApp the number is 075999 it's totally free you can send a message or leave a voice message I always love being able to play out voice messages and it's free uh, you can email me at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com or of course leave a review on Apple Podcasts and I will be back with another episode same time same place next week 